Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, and you would, if you would find 1 Samuel, the 24th chapter, as we are going verse by verse through this book. And as you're finding that, I have some cards this morning that I would like to read to you. The first one is from the young lady that was just baptized. To the members of Ten Mile Baptist Church, thank you for a wonderful experience. It is so nice to see people joyful and happy to be at church. I look forward to each service. The people I have met are very kind and welcoming. I hope to get to know many more of you. Second card this morning that I have is thank you for the prayers, flowers, and support during the passing of our grandmother. We greatly appreciate it. That is from the Leon Adams family. The third card I have this morning is Dear Ten Mile Family, I want to thank you all for praying for me when I was in the hospital. I'm doing great. I cannot wait to see you all again. And that is from the Brenda Clark family. And the last card that I have this morning <clears throat> states, I've listened to Jake read thank you cards on Sunday morning, and you think how nice that the church does those things for people. But when you are on the receiving end of those things, it takes on a whole different meaning. A thank you just doesn't seem to be enough. But that's about all I can say. But it comes from the bottom of my heart. What Ten Miles family has done for us over the last three and a half years is just beyond thank yous. Roger and I would not have gotten through the last three and a half years without the prayers we have felt from everyone. The gift cards for the trips back and forth to St. Louis. The meal the ladies fixed for our family was so special, and everyone was thankful for it. Our hearts are heavy, but your kindness has lightened our load immensely. God is at work at Ten Mile Church. You just feel it being there around everyone. May God continue to bless you, and thank you so much. And that is from the family of Roger Dean at his recent passing. And so continue to do what you do. It makes a difference. Over the last 10 years, I have prepared over 2,000 sermons, Sunday school lessons, and nightly devotions. And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that this one has been the hardest. It has been the hardest sermon I've ever had to prepare for two reasons. One, the Lord has had to convict me for six weeks as I have been preparing for this sermon. And I honestly thought that I had finally allowed the Lord to be in charge on this area. Last night we went to eat. And the, the Hampsons and the Reeves and everybody else at Mimos can vouch for this story. As I sat there last night and was found out that I was not going to be paying for my pizza, I refused to take a plate. I refused to order a soda. It's an honest truth. You can ask the Hampsons. They're sitting right there. So I ordered a water. And as I sat there and thought, I'm not going to eat a bite. I'm not going to eat. I'm going to sit here and I'm just not going to talk. I'm not going to eat. The title of the sermon is Rebellion or Repentance. I sat there for a while and it's like the Lord said, Jake, do you remember anything that I've been doing in your life the last six weeks? And I can honestly tell you my answer was, nope, not a thing. Before the night was open, I did eat some pizza. But the Lord dealt with me last night because, friends, I believe the number one thing 
that it is destroying homes, destroying churches, destroying our country is a spirit of rebellion. And I can tell you after howing it went over in the first service that you will probably think this is the hardest sermon you've ever had to listen to as well. This morning you might be thinking, well, Jake, I'm not a rebellious person. I don't have a rebellious bone in my body. Maybe you've described it like this to people. I'm just a strong-willed personality. Or I have a strong-willed child. That's a spirit of rebellion. You say, I'm not a strong-willed person or have a strong-willed child. I just have leadership capabilities. That's a spirit of rebellion. Spirit of stubbornness. You say, Jake, I have a terrible feeling that you're going to meddle today. I'm not going to meddle today, but I am going to preach to you what I believe God has laid on my heart, and I have tried to get out of preaching for six weeks. I thought about even faking an injury this morning. You know, I'm at that weight at this point where I could pull a hammy and everybody would believe it. And you might be saying, well, Jake, I am a stubborn person, but submission and an honor and obedience, I don't have to do that to everyone. I want to give you an example of who Saul was, and I want you to write these down because I want you to think about this over the next week. Saul was David's king. That's the government. Saul was David's father-in-law. That's family. Saul was David's boss. That's work. David was Saul's armor bearer. That means he was his close friend and trusted companion. And Saul was David's pursuer. He was his enemy. And so whether it's the government or your family or work or it's your friends or it is your enemy, we are going to look at how King David reflected the heart of God and what he wants for you and what he wants for me. I really have struggled this week about how many examples of my sin and failures I should use. But one that I think that you were probably all witness to last week and Jamie and the entire Sunday school class can vouch for this. As you know, last week was pastor appreciation. And as you know, it is my least favorite week of the year. And I went into the Sunday school class and told Jamie that I will not be doing the altar call next week or at the end of the service. You'll do the altar call. He said, Jake, I've not done the altar call in 10 years. I said, yeah, but the church won't listen about giving me a pastor appreciation gift, so I'm going to leave the altar call to you. You say, wow, that is a stubborn, rebellious heart. You're exactly right. And so what they did was rebellious and stubborn as well. They did it at the beginning of service instead of the end. I've repented. I don't think they have. And as I stood here to go get ready for the baptism last week, I tried to leave the stage as Jamie stood in front of and blocked me. And I can tell you, the first time in 10 years, I honestly thought, I wonder how much trouble I'd get for shoving him off the stage. (laughs) That is how much I didn't want that. And so as I've prayed this week, the Lord's like, Jake, you've got to quit making it so hard for people to love you. I can even quote you Bible verses about why you should leave me alone. I've done it a lot. But the Lord has had to deal with me and break me. And Jake, stubbornness and rebellion will destroy you. Rebellion will destroy your marriage. Rebellion will destroy this church. And rebellion is destroying our country. And so this morning, if you found 1 Samuel chapter 24, and if you're not too uncomfortable yet, if you would stand out of a reverence to reading the Word of God as we read verses 1 through 7. Rebellion or repentance, the choice is yours. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now it happened 
when Saul had returned from following the Philistines, that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men said to David, This is the day for which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward, David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. Pray with me. Father, today I ask your forgiveness. Lord, I I am a sinner and you know it. Lord, I pray that your spirit would work today in this place. Father, I know there are already hearts that are beginning to say, Lord, I don't need this. That's my life. It's my decisions. It's my relationships. And I'm going to do what I want. But Lord, I just pray that you'd help me to be a faithful sower today. Lord, help me to preach in spite of my fears and my doubts and insecurities. And Lord, I pray that you do a great work in this place today for your glory and your glory alone. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning you might be saying, well, Jake, this sermon on stubbornness is for those people who chose not to come to church today. No, we know they're not where they're stubborn. They didn't come. But today the sermon is for you and for me. This is a sermon that I believe is a defining moment in lives and in our church this morning. Whether we choose to be rebellious and stubborn, or yes, we willingly say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Change me. First thing I want to show you this morning, if you're taking notes, and I really hope that you do because I have a lot of Scripture today, because I want you to leave here saying, God's Word said that, not Jacob Gray. Not every open door is an opportunity. Sometimes they are tests. I've seen it on people's Facebook pages. I've seen it in on uh, people's, heard of people say it. I've seen it on little cute little wooden signs on people's house that when God opens a door, no man can close it. And when uh, God closes a door, no man can open it. But friends, I want you to know that sometimes God opens a door and it's a test. It is a test to see whether or not you are going to do what is right or what is best for you. What is best for your desires or mine. I, uh, this morning, I want you to see this because let's think about what's going on here. Saul has chased David, threatened his life to the point where David is literally and his men hiding in a cave, the back of a cave, in the dark and in the, the dreariness and in this miserable situation. And in the front door of the cave walks the man that has caused every bit of problems. Now, I hope that you understand what it's talking about here is there were not Huck's truck stops along the road, right? There wasn't pit stops. Saul had to go relieve himself. Paul, Saul had to get away. And so he goes somewhere private, somewhere away from people. And he does not realize this, 
But in the very cave that Saul by himself goes is the place where David and possibly up to 600 soldiers are hiding. And naturally, like all good people, the people tell him, this is your chance, David. God has brought Saul into this cave for you to kill him. Think about this. If they would have killed Saul, they could have went back to their families. If they'd have killed Saul, they could have went back to their lives. If David would have killed Saul, he could have went to being king. He could have went back to Saul's daughter that was his wife. He could have had his life back, his prosperity back, everything back if he just would have defied God and killed Saul. In this moment, David had a choice to be rebellious or to be obedient. To honor God or honor his flesh. Look what it says here in verses 1 through 4 with me. And I just want to read this with you again to really point this out. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him saying, take note. David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men, 3,000 of the best, not to help the poor, not to defend the hopeless, but 3,000 men to murder David and all of Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the roads where there was a cave and Saul went in to attend to his needs. And David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. You say, well, how did Saul not know that David and his men were there? We're not for sure. But if you've ever been in the dark for a long period of time, you know that your eyes kind of adjust. You can see a little bit better. Maybe Saul only came into the cave just far enough where there was still some sunlight to show him. We don't know. But David's men begin to tell David, here's your chance. The Lord said that he would deliver your enemies. They were using scripture, the word of God, to convince David to do something that David knew that God had told him not to do. You see, David had a heart after God, the Bible says. He was a man after God's own heart. But this morning, I want to show you, and I want to just take it from the Scripture, the choice you have to make. You have to make a choice to be a Saul or a David. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, rebellion starts as a heart issue. Listen to what Saul had done to displease God. In 1 Samuel the 15th chapter verse 23, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He also has rejected you for being king. I want you to finish this sentence if you know it. It is easier to ask forgiveness than... How many times have you used that and have I used that? But what it really says is it's better to rebel and defy than it is to get permission. Parents, how many of you would like your kids to live their life that way? It's better for me just to do what I want and then ask my parents forgiveness than permission. You'd say, well, that ain't going to fly at my house. Then why do you treat your boss that way? Don't worry. It's going to get worse before it gets better. 
You say, well, Jake, I wouldn't want my kids to do that, but why do you treat your spouse that way? You say, well, Jake, I wouldn't want my kids to do that, but why do you treat your church that way? You say, well, Jake, I don't want my kids to treat me that way, but why do you treat your government leaders that way? You see, this morning you have a choice to make to be obedient to the things of God or be rebellious, to be stubborn. And what happens is we see that Saul's sin against God, Saul's sin against David was the fact that he was rebelling, that he was stubborn. But think about it, it wasn't just Saul. Think about Satan. What did Satan do that caused his sin against God in the book of Isaiah chapter 14? In Isaiah 14 verse 13, For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. Satan says, I'm going to be God. I'm going to sit on that throne. I'm going to be worshipped. I am going to be the one that was a spirit of rebellion. And this morning, I want you to hear this. There is never a time where rebellion honors God. You say, Jake, you don't know my boss. You don't know the leaders of our country. Jake, you don't know the, you don't know the, you just don't know. You don't understand, Jake, what I've been through. I want you to know that Adrian Rogers says this, and I believe it's one of the most profound statements I've ever heard. David won many great battles in the Bible. He killed Goliath. He had killed a bear. He had killed lions. He led multitudes of men into war and had expanded the nation of Israel to this great empire. But the greatest victory that David ever allowed God to win was when David allowed God to control his life in this moment. Victory over self. Self-control that only God through the Holy Spirit can bring into your life is the greatest victory that God will ever win in the life of a Christian. You say, Jake, I've got a terrible temper and a terrible, terrible mouth. It's because you rebel against the control of the Holy Spirit. You say, Jake, I've got a... They are old. They don't know what they're talking about. They're outdated. Look up here. You have a spirit of rebellion. And friends, this morning, whether it's Jacob Gray being rebellious about you loving me, whether it's our family being rebellious and how we treat each other, this is one of those times where all the husbands are saying, get after him, preacher! Before it tells husbands, before it tells wives to submit to husbands, it says what? Submit to one another. And so this morning, maybe you're saying, well, Jake, that sounds good, but what does that mean for me? Glad that you asked this morning. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Than he, the greatest victory God will ever do in your life is when you can come to him and say, Lord, I know this is what I want to do. Lord, I know it's not what you want me to do, but God, I need you to give me the ability to give me the wisdom to know what to do that honors you. It's kind of like whenever those rumors about you, 
Well, let me tell you how they really are. In that moment, it's the spirit of rebellion. You say, well, I know my parents said I should be home 10 o'clock, but you know what? I got a, a flat tire and a, and, a, and a car out of gas, and, and so I think I'll just come home at 10, 15. It's the spirit of rebellion. You say, well, I know, I, I know that, that I'm supposed to forgive my enemies, but, Jake, you just don't know what they've done to me. That's a spirit of rebellion. You say, Jake, how many of you are getting excited about some holiday meals? Some Thanksgiving meal, amen? Some Christmas meals, amen? But I'm guaranteeing there are some ends that are dreading your family gatherings. You say, Jake, I know I got to love my family, but boy, I wish I could have picked a different one. My family says that about me all the time. That's a spirit of rebellion. And this morning, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, Jake, I don't have to listen to this. I don't have to take it. And you're exactly right. But this morning, I want you to know that your choice is either to rebel or to repent. To rebel and to follow a path that will lead you astray or a repentance that will bring you to a place where God can bless you. You say, Jake, I'm already a Christian. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. Then the Spirit of God is at work in your life. But maybe you're here today and you're saying, Jake, I'm not a Christian and I, I don't have to do these things. What I want you to know this morning is God loved you so much that He sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross for you. He hung on that cross and took a punishment that you deserved and I deserved. And then He died. Then He rose from dead. And this morning you can repent and accept that, that free gift. Or you can rebel and say, I don't need it. I'm good enough. I don't need it. Or I've done too much bad. I don't need it. Or I'll deal with it later when I get old and life is almost over. That is a rebellious spirit. You say, Jake, how do I know what God wants for me in situations like this? How do I know if it's an opportunity or a door that is a test? Listen to what Romans, the 12th chapter says, verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil what is good. If you have to sin to do something that God has brought before you, then you shouldn't do it. You say, well, Jake, I... Uh, I know that I, I'm married and I know I love my wife, but this, 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 this lady is really appealing. She's nicer to me than my wife. She's prettier than my wife. She's got more money than my wife. And all these logical reasons say that's the one that you should choose, except there's one great big one that should cause you to think. Thou shalt not commit adultery. You say, Jake, but if I just fudge this one number on my taxes... No one's going to know except for me and God. The government won't know. They won't find out. And I will make a lot more money this year. God didn't give you an opportunity. That's called a test. God knows. If you have to sin to walk through the door that is open, you have tried to overcome evil with evil. My personal favorite, which means I hate it the most, by the way, is when someone comes up to me and says, Jake, I heard this. And I always think, oh, this is always good. I heard that this happened, or this happened, or this happened at church, and I heard this happened, and I can't believe that this would go on, and that would go on. And everything in me wants to say, well, I tell you what I'd really like for you to know. I'd like for you to know exactly what happened. Let me tell you everything that happened. Let me tell you exactly what they're like. And the Lord says, shut up. 
Just shut up, Jake. Keep your mouth shut. And I wish today I could tell you that I always do, but I don't. That spirit of rebellion can come out in me. That spirit of rebellion can come out of you. You say, well, Jake, I love the people that love me. I'll be good to the people that love me. Listen to how Jesus described it in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. That's a heart issue. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for He makes His Son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brother only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. He says, not only am I required to love them in my heart, I'm to live it out. And not only am I to love them in my heart and to live it out, I am to pray for them. You say, Jake, you just don't know my enemies. Jesus knows everyone's heart. The Bible says that before you were ever formed, God knew you. And that goes the same for everyone. You say, Jake, you just don't know what kind of person I live with. I don't. But God does. You say, Jake, I, you just don't understand how bad my boss is at work. And if, if you had to work for someone like that, you wouldn't listen either. You're right, I don't. But God does. You say, Jake, you just don't understand how bad the government is. Trust me, I do. I called Joe Biden an idiot yesterday and had to repent. Because it was a spirit of rebellion. Pray for those that are over you. Romans 13, verses 1 through 5. I'm telling you, it's the truth. You say, preacher, you're really starting to meddle today. I'm not. This is the Spirit of God working in my life and in yours through His Word. And so my question to you this morning is, if we were to take a poll, would it have been wrong for David to kill Saul because of all that Saul did to David? Most of this congregation would say, absolutely. He should have took him out and took care of the problem. But I want to show you the second part of this sermon this morning, and it's even harder than the first, is God will convict you if you are one of His children. God will convict you if you are one of His children. You say, Jake, I treat my boss at work however I want. It don't bother me. You say, Jake, I don't listen to my parents, and it don't bother me at all. You say, Jake, I can talk about the government and talk about how bad things are and talk about how bad people are and what I'd really like to do to them, and I don't feel any conviction at all. Friends, I want you to look up here this morning. That should scare you greatly. Because if God loves you, He will convict you. Look what happens here in verses 5 through 7. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants 
with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. I've heard lots of sermons preached a lot of different ways on this, but the only way I want to talk to you about it today is how your heart is. You see, David experienced something that New Testament Christians should understand. Conviction. You see, the Bible teaches us in the New Testament, when you get saved, the Spirit of God comes and lives within you. He indwells you. He leads you. He guides you. He directs you. He comforts you. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit worked differently, but yet in this case, David falls under conviction and says, I should not have done that. And this morning, I want you to know that God will always always, always convict His people because He loves you. God knows that your sin will destroy you. God knows that my sin will destroy me. God knows that my rebellious heart will destroy my marriage. God knows that my rebellious heart will destroy this church. My God knows me. And this morning I asked you that question, does God know you? Yes, God knows your heart. God knows the areas of your life that are the weakest. And Saul has no idea it even happened. You say, well, Jake, I've thought a lot of bad things about people and they didn't know about it. God knew it. You say, Jake, I've whispered a lot of gospel about other people and they never knew it. God knew it. You say, Jake, I know I've done a lot of things that no one else knows about. God knows it. And this morning, what I'm here to say is that God loves you. God will forgive you. I actually skipped a verse a minute ago from 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, because I wanted to use it here this morning. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This morning, do you find yourself that you don't have the joy you used to? Are you here this morning and find out that you don't have any peace? Are you here this morning and you realize that people just don't like being around you very much? It might just be because you have been embracing a spirit of rebellion, a spirit of stubbornness, instead of a spirit of, God, I'm a sinner and I need you to forgive me. There's a reason it took me six weeks to prepare this sermon. I have rewrote it a hundred times. Every time I'd write it, I'd think, Lord, that's good. That's a, that's a good sermon. That, that is a sermon that these people will like. And the Lord says, that's not the sermon I want you to preach. So then I'll even write it out. This is the sermon I'm going to preach. And then about two days later, I think, they're going to look at me the way you're looking at me right now. I'm not going to do it. And the Lord said, Jake, you're going to have to first let me deal with you about this issue. You see, that's the wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit. He loves me enough to convict me. He loves me enough to say, hey, Jake, you're in sin at this moment. Jake, your heart's not where it should be. Jake, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. <laughs> so last night, as we're sitting there eating pizza, and I realize that Crystal is more stubborn than I am. No, I'm kidding. And I'm not going to get to pay for my pizza. I did the self-righteous approach. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I know some people sitting over there. I'll just buy their dinner. There we go. That's how I'll get back. And as I walked to my truck and I got ready to open my door, the lead said, I don't think you bought that pizza for the right reason. 
And I'm like, Lord, you don't know what you're talking about. And this is not audible, okay? This is the spirit in me. I wasn't talking to myself on the square last night, all right? Lord said, did you buy that pizza because you wanted to or because you were angry? I'm like, you think you are? I was angry. I was angry, and it was the only way I knew how to deal with it. And so as I sat in my truck next to the library last night, I had to ask the Lord for forgiveness, not only because I was being stubborn, but instead of repenting, I was trying to do good to make myself feel better about it. And friends, this morning, you need to know something. I think we're guilty of that as a people. I should have just been thankful. Someone would actually be seen with me in public. Amen. (laughs) That's a tall order and a reputation killer. But I should have been thankful for that. I should have been thankful that I have healthy children. And and, uh, I'm thankful that I sit next to Tyler Reese and he ate a whole lot more than I did. So I could preach on gluttony next week. But (laughs) I'm referencing these names so that you could ask them. And this is a true story. Because why? How many times do we take our rebellion and our stubbornness and our wickedness and just say, you know what, that's just how I am. It's how my mom was. It's how my dad was. It's how I am. And look up here. God doesn't bless rebellion. God doesn't bless stubbornness. And David has to tell his men, I'm not going to kill Saul. And neither are you. You see, it cost David something. David literally had to go to the men who had fought with him, who were willing to sacrifice for him, who were willing to live in a cave for him. That the one person who could change all of this is relieving himself up there. He literally probably had his pants around his ankles. Nothing he could do to defend himself. Whether he was going to the bathroom, whether he was sleeping, whatever he was doing, it put him in a position where he could not have defended himself. And David said, you're not going to do nothing about it. Friends, how many times does God want you and I just to let him fight for us? How many times does God want us just to pray and to pray and to pray instead of talk, instead of think, instead of strategize? God wants us to pray. Listen to what John, the 16th chapter, says about the Holy Spirit. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness, and of judgment. You see, if you believe this morning that you are saved and secured, that you believe in the security of the believer, you believe that the Holy Spirit is active in this world today. If you believe that when the Bible is preached that the Holy Spirit can convict people, and draw people, and save people, you believe the Holy Spirit is active in the world today. If you're here this morning and you've lost a loved one or been through a difficult time and you received comfort that you can't explain, you received comfort from the Holy Spirit. The Bible says He is the Comforter. And so if you believe the Holy Spirit is who He is and that He's God and that He's active and that He's working in lives today, you will experience conviction. And there is no other way around it. You say, Jake, I don't like conviction. I don't like conviction when it's happening but I'm sure thankful for it after God beats the me out of me. And I can say, Lord, I'm not who I should be, but Lord, I thank you for loving me. Lord, I wouldn't live in this old sinful temple, but I sure am glad you do. God, I can't believe you'd love me after that rebellious and wicked thought that I just had. That stubborn and rebellious conversation I just had. But listen to what 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 says in verse 5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power 
and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know that what kind of men we are among you for your sake. You see, you can't have a relationship with the Father without the Son and without the Spirit. You see, you cannot have a relationship with God unless the Spirit of God is at work in you. And so today, if you believe that you are saved, if you believe today that you are going to heaven, if you believe today that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, you have to acknowledge the fact that the Spirit of God is in you. And if the Spirit of God is in you, He will work in you. He will convict you. He will do things in your life that you cannot explain. There will be conversations that you had and you'll say, you know what, I really wanted to have that conversation, but now that I'm walking away, I know, I know that I shouldn't have had it. Or boy, I really enjoyed that thought when I had it, but now that it's over, I really, really know that I shouldn't have enjoyed it like I did. It's called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to hear this this morning. We've stopped talking about it. We've stopped talking about the fact that if we're God's people, conviction is going to happen. And just like David, all David did was cut the corner of his cloak, the corner of his robe. He didn't touch, he didn't touch Saul. He didn't like just jab him and run off. No, just the corner of his clothing. But yet conviction began to set in and said, God told me not to mess with him. And I did. And this is where I believe this applies. I believe that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the whole world. And I believe that no matter who you are or where you've been, that when Jesus Christ died, He died for you. And that the Spirit of God will at least at one point convict every single person and try to bring them to Jesus Christ. And if that is the case, then I need to treat everyone like they are special and like they matter to God, and like God has a purpose and a plan for their life. And my stubbornness and rebellion and my sin, whether it's the rebellious spirit that I have towards you, whether it's the rebellious spirit that I have in my marriage, whether it's the rebellious spirit that I have with my family, whether it's the rebellious spirit that I have at work. You see, I work for the best boss that you could ever have. The problem is sometimes you think you are him. You'll get that later. It's okay. Sometimes, how many of you just watch the news and feel better about your life when it's over? Anybody? But yet, how many of you just watch the news and fall into sin like I do? You see, rebellion is never of God. And so this morning, I want to ask you one simple question. Are you willing to choose repentance? Or are you going to rebel? Are you going to say, Lord, here I am today and I know my heart's not always the way it should be. And Lord, there's just some people that drive me insane. Or Lord, I've always been this stubborn. I've always been this strong-headed. I've always been this strong-willed. Lord, I, I, I'm i just who you made me to be. Maybe God is saying, I need you to ask for forgiveness. And to say, Lord, make me meek and gentle. Lord, make me humble and moldable. Lord, make me who you want me to be. Give me a quiet and gentle spirit. You say, Jake, I'm not going to be a doormat for anybody. I didn't say you had to be a doormat. When the world tells you and the government tells you that, hey, it doesn't matter who marries who, the church ought to boldly stand up and say, listen here, marriage is a sacred institution that God established. And it's between one man and one woman 
for life. It doesn't matter if it's unbiblical divorce. It doesn't matter if it's homosexual marriage. It don't matter if it's adultery. It don't matter if it's pornography. What God established, it is special and it is our right to stand up for it. When the government tells us that it is all right for a male to use a woman's bathroom or a woman to use a male bathroom, it is our responsibility by God to stand up in love and say, God knew you before He formed you and He created you special. He created you fearfully and wonderfully. And the way God created you is who you are. And it's not a mistake. And when the world and the government tells us that abortion is a choice, we ought to be more than willing to stand up and say that it is not a choice. It is the murder of another human being. When God's Word speaks, we speak. And we speak boldly and we speak confidently and we stand and we don't compromise at all. But how many times do you think we speak out of rebellion? How do we speak out of the flesh? I'm guilty of it. And for the last six weeks, God has dealt with me and dealt with me and dealt with me and dealt with me. And during Sunday school this morning, he had to deal with me again. And you know what? He'll have to continue to deal with me. Why? Because I'm thankful that when the Holy Spirit moved into this body, he promised never to leave. And friends, this morning, if you're under conviction, I want you to know something. It's because God loves you. It's not because I said the right words or the wrong words. It's because God loves you so much to forgive you of your sin and to bring you into a relationship with Him. And so this morning, I want you to still know, though, the choice is yours to repent and say, Lord, here I am. I want that forgiveness. I want that hope that you can give me. Or you can plant your flag in the stand and say, this is who I am, preacher. It's how I'm going to be, and it's the way it's going to be, and there is nothing you or God can do about it. And I want you to look up here. You're exactly right. There is nothing I can do about it. But I'm telling you, God can soften the hardest heart. And that's been my prayer this week, is God, soften hearts. Soften hearts that we might repent and not rebel. Pray with me as Jamie comes. Father, today you know that I'm a sinner. And Lord, today you know that I wanted to skip these verses. And Lord, I wanted to avoid them. But Lord, your word was there. Lord, I'm thankful to see David's example of loving someone that hated him. Lord, I'm thankful that we saw David's example of following you and not other people. But Lord, I pray today that you had started me. And make me humble. Lord, make me submissive, not rebellious. Lord, give me a heart of gentleness, not of pride and arrogance. And so, Father, this morning, whether it's how people respond to you, or, Lord, it's the marriages that they're in, Lord, it's the enemies that are out to get them, Lord, or it's just how they view the government, Lord, today I ask that you'd give us a spirit of repentance. Lord, altars full of people that are sick and tired of being sick and tired and want a fresh touch from you. Lord, I pray that you'd change marriages this morning, that you've saved sinners this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd reconcile relationships that are broken. And Lord, I pray that this group of people this morning would leave differently than they came. And Lord, that you would get all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And Lord, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.